Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Penn State is getting set to dive back into Big Ten play. They're set to take on Northwestern this weekend in Happy Valley. So we'll get into a full discussion about that. But first, Vince, got any news or tidbits that you'd like to share? Uh, I'm kind of in a joking mood today. Uh, John Mulaney was in State College Sunday. Um But speaking of jokes, how about the board of trustees totally dropping the ball on beer sales and Beaver Stadium? Uh, They lost themselves a lot of money. What do you think? Uh, To be honest, I don't know what I think uh, because I don't know what happened. Fill me in. So I guess they passed it, the, the vote too late so that they didn't have enough time to pass the sales for beer. They turned down the hard seltzer ones for some reason, which makes no sense. Um, so I, I think they dropped the ball just about as bad as that Missouri running back last week. Uh, like they just lost tons of money and people in the club seats have been drinking beer for several years. So it's not like alcohol is totally new to Beaver Stadium. It's just the the rich up in the club seats are able to access that, but not the uh, the common folk in the other seats. <laughs> yeah. The ones, uh, actually making the crowd noise is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess that's just, uh, another example of things getting caught up in the red tape and all the bureaucracy of things. So, uh, too bad, but hopefully things will get sorted out soon. So are you saying that they did get the vote approved in time for this upcoming game, this next home game? I think it should be through. We'll let you know next week. We'll be we'll be at the stadium, so we'll we'll see if those those sales are available. Yeah, that way, we'll, the listeners can know if they can buy a beer and Beaver Stadium or not for ten dollars. Right. So we'll we'll tell you just how inebriated Vince was as he's watching our guys take on the Northwestern Wildcats. Absolutely, and I don't care. I'm 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 not spending ten bucks for a beer in Beaver Stadium. That's way too much money. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna shell out for just like just one just to say that you did it. Maybe we'll we'll see. Depends how good or bad they're playing. If I'm in the yeah, mood fair. for one. Yep, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Got any other notes, or do you want to dive into Northwestern? Yeah, there's been some uh, big news in other Penn State sports. Uh, men's soccer be. Number 15 ranked Akron at home over the weekend, one to right. nothing. So they're up to four, two, and two. Women's soccer dropped in the rankings a little bit down to number 17, but they had two wins in the last week. On Thursday night, they upset number four Rutgers at home, two to nothing. And then on Sunday, they beat Illinois five to nothing. And if you are in the Valley this weekend, Thursday, they're playing at home. Thursday night at 7 p.m. versus versus Michigan State. Unfortunately, our women's volleyball team lost their first match over the weekend. They lost to Michigan on Saturday. They beat Indiana the night before. Uh, They will also be in the Valley this weekend, Sunday at 2 p.m. versus Michigan State. 
So if you really dislike Michigan State, this is this is your weekend to to go to Happy Valley. Field hockey is on a roll. They they are up to eight and one. They're ranked number six in the country. They'll be home. Uh, they beat Michigan State last Friday, four to nothing, and they also blanked the Buckeyes uh, Sunday at twelve. They beat them two to nothing. So. It always feels good to shut out Ohio State. Hopefully, we can do that on the football field as well. And <laughs> yeah, we not, can hope. Not only do we have hockey on the field, we got hockey on the ice the, uh, this past weekend. I didn't realize their season started this early, but our women's hockey team is ranked number fourteen in the nation, and they split their series versus number three Wisconsin. So they went one and one against one of the best teams in the country. So that's a great start for the women's hockey team as well. Good stuff. Glad that uh, you're on the pulse of the different Nittany Lion teams out there taking care of business. Hopefully the women's volleyball team can bounce back and, uh, you know, get back to sweeping teams across the country. Yeah, it's just great to see that almost every single team is ranked. Shows that the Penn State Athletic Department is doing a good job. You ready to roll into Northwestern? Yeah, let's do it. So this weekend is looking similar to last weekend. It won't be as sunny. It's looking like it's going to be very cloudy. We have a 3.30 kickoff in Beaver Stadium. The high is supposed to be 62 with a real feel of 64, 7 to 9 mile per hour winds, and 30% chance of precipitation. So it might get a little wet, but for the most part, it's just looking like a cloudy, murky day. And we're going to head to Fred and Bill for their tailgate tips. All right. We are joined once again by our tailgate experts, Fred and Bill, making their third appearance on the Nittany Blues podcast. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. So we're probably going to start off this uh, segment like we have been in the past, uh, just to get a couple of thoughts from you guys on the Central Michigan game. And I think this... uh, does leave you know some room for some discussion and some thoughts on you know where Penn State sits at this point in the season because this wasn't exactly the romp that uh, many Penn State fans thought it would be. But uh, I'm not sure if you listened to the last episode. I thought there were some silver linings to take there. Um, you know, overall, there's a lot of questions to be answered. But Fred, let's start with you as we always do. Can you share some thoughts about the Central Michigan game and what you thought since you were there in Beaver Stadium to watch it happen? Sure. So, well, I think I've said before, right, for some reason, we always seem to play down to the competition. So I I keep dreaming of a romp, but they are very few and and far between. Um, So I wasn't particularly surprised, slightly disappointed, as usual, that we didn't do it, but but not surprised. We always seem to to play down to whoever we're playing. Uh, Interestingly enough, I wasn't when this happens, I'm sometimes nervous that we're going to, you know, be one of the upsets of the week. Uh, but I was never nervous. We were going to lose even, even, even when, uh, you know, the score was tie, right. I never really nervous. We're going to lose felt contained for some reason. I can't really point to why, but it certainly made it a lot, you know, less fun. Um, and a I, little bit more nerve wracking. Right. Yeah. And I think I felt the same way and dad, I saw you shaking your head. Yes, too. I mean, I, it never felt like Penn state was really, within harm's way of losing the game because it just kind of seemed like they were just, you know, struggling to maybe find their way. But once they did, things were going to like take off a little bit. So dad, do you kind of agree with that? Like, do you think that, uh, you know, you're a little bit disappointed from this game, maybe some things that were, um, 
you know, overlooked or what are your thoughts? At no time did I ever feel like we didn't have control of this game. Like it's the same thing. Yeah, I'm here watching it and I'm just like, can we get this over so that we can go back <laughs> to the tailgate? Uh, but, you know, in this game, like everybody expected a sleepwalker, especially, especially Vince. Yeah, especially after. Yeah, exactly. After he was exactly was all alone on my island. <laughs> His island. You know, but, you know, after the emotional high of the previous week, it's interesting how people are all in a tizzy when they get exactly what everybody predicted. Like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. At, but like I said, at no at no time did I ever was ever concerned that the game was in hand or, or was, you know, we were in peril. So, I mean, it was just weird. And the fact that, you know, I can a few years ago, the App State game, I'm like, well, we got a we got a problem here. But this one, no, it just felt like we were keeping them at arm's length and kind of doing our thing. And, I, and and for all we know, that was like part of the plan. They were working in people and doing their thing and who knows. And I mean, this is a Michigan or Central Michigan. A, a couple of weeks ago, they put up 44 points on Texas Tech. So, I mean, they're capable of scoring. State. Was Oklahoma State? I thought it was Texas Tech, but yeah. I'm sorry. But anyhow, they put up they put up 44 points. So, you know, I mean, they're 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 legit players on that team. So it's not like we were playing UConn. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, it's, I, it is what it is and, and I'm fine with it. And we just take it and move on. I think everybody's relatively healthy, which is what we wanted to come out of it. And let's go. Like Bill said, the biggest disappointment, this was one of those games where Bill and I were assuming we'd be back at the tailgate at halftime taking in the rest of the game on the TV, but uh, that did not happen. <laughs> we really enjoy yeah. our tailgates. Yeah. If you, if you couldn't guess it by now, but yeah, I mean, that's a rarity. We're usually there for all of, or the vast majority of the game, but you know, again, this is one of those ones where you you hope you're going to blow them out and there's, you know, no reason you can't go back, especially since we have the TV anyway, you can watch the rest of the game there. Right. Great point. And uh, to your earlier point, Dad, about there being some legit playmakers on that team, I didn't even realize this when we were doing our preview for Central Michigan, but their starting running back, Lou Nichols, led FBS last year in rushing yards. So they had a legit playmaker back there. And, you know, you know, and so when you when you look at how things kind of played out with the fact that they only scored 14 points uh, with that type of guy back there in the backfield and the fact that their receivers were making one-handed catches all up and down the field, (laughs) seemingly all game, you know, I think that uh, it still leads itself to, you know, some good things to come out of it. But Franklin did say after the game that, you know, we did enough to come out of this one and oh, however, we are aware of all the things we need to fix. So I'm happy with that. Just that, you know, he is setting the example early on. It's like, okay, like we know that we should have done better. But we move on. So obviously, uh, we got another home game coming up here against Northwestern. Penn State is getting back into Big Ten play since the home o- or since the season opener against Purdue. So uh, we want to dive back into some tailgating tips or you know anything regarding tailgating that you think is uh, important for the listeners to know. So, Dad, I I know that you had a couple of notes to share. So I'll hand the mic over to you. Well, I, I do. And before we get to the tailgate thing, I I know I texted it to a couple of you or whatever, but my newfound, like, it's really interesting, is, is Scorigami. 
And so I, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even, you know, I looked it up to see if they actually had it for college teams. And it's not as elaborate as the NFL, but they do have it for them. So I looked up, you know, it was 33-14. So I looked up that on this scoregami for Penn State. How many times do you think, now granted, I'm assuming, I looked this up on Sunday, so there's no way it was updated that quickly. How many times do you think the score has been 33-14 PSU? Well, I can think of one. Uh, we beat Pitt 33-14 to in 2017. Okay. Well, that's the answer. One. it's what was listed on the thing so like i said apparently it's right but i mean it's like it's not that common of a score because there are a lot out there that are like six eight ten seven or whatever but it's so it's it's an odd score so right that when i was looking up that that led me into i have a it's a not really a history lesson but when i was researching this and everybody wanted like the blowout you know, against these people, you know, so I came across, okay. So I have like a a question here. It's like, there's two parts to the question is what is the largest margin of victory ever scored by Penn state? The hint, I'll give you a hint. It's three digits. Okay. The second part is what was the year? Was I alive? I was going to say, no, I living? hang on. I doubt any of us were alive. No, you weren't alive. I'll give you the hint. It happened after World War One and before Rec Hall was built. Rec Hall was built in 2029 and it was an even year. Right, so, so between. So three digits for the largest margin of victory. And it was between, I'll give you, the, you know, the World War One ended in 1918. Even year between eighteen and twenty. So between and, 19, and, 1918 and nineteen twenty nine. Yes, obviously you can just have to throw one out here because it's a crapshoot. That's right. As the year goes, no, I'll say I'll say right. nineteen twenty four versus uh, Penn. <laughs> Actually, no, wait, wait. I'll change that. I'll say like Cumberland because I know they lost like two hundred points to Virginia or uh, Georgia Tech or something. Right. So I'll say Cumberland. Well, okay. Yeah, obviously, this is one of those things where nobody's going to get the right answer. Okay, the, the correct margin of victory is 102 points. In 1920, Penn State played Lebanon Valley. Lebanon, oh, okay. Lebanon <laughs> Valley was supposedly the team to beat that year. Lebanon, it said Lebanon Valley came in and scored on their very first possession. And then Penn State went on to score 109 unanswered points. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the largest margin of victory Penn State has ever played. And amazingly enough, they played Lebanon Valley 20 years earlier and lost 109 to nothing. That's their largest wow. deficit. Yeah, the, Lebanon the, Valley, the rivalry, the rivalry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a rival. We have a rivalry with Lebanon Valley, not Pitt. That, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, yeah, let's so, do. So anyhow, let's do a home and home yeah. with. Uh, let's do a home and home with Lebanon Valley. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> So everybody for Central Michigan was looking for a Lebanon Valley kind of blowout. Yeah. We're just not, we're not. Oh, Bill. Yeah. Bill, I do have another scoregami. Did you hear the scoregami about the Eagles game? No. Did they say it during the game? Yeah. So there was only one other game in NFL history where the score was 24 to eight. And interestingly, the day before the game, coach Sirianni showed them a, a Kobe Bryant video and, you know, some of his quotes and speeches and stuff to like get the players excited for the game. 
And then the score was 24 to eight, which were the two numbers he wore while he, he was in the NBA. So one of those things that's kind of freaky that wow. ended up that way, but really, really cool. Another fun number fact about that game is that they sacked Carson Wentz nine times, which was the number yeah. that Nick Foles wore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have, I have more than one number nine jersey in my closet. Right. Uh, uh, good stuff, though. So, okay, yeah, we're going to the tailgate thing. And, you know, we don't have a lot of tips and everything, but all I could say is for this last p- past weekend, it was a great day. We couldn't complain about the weather. It was awesome. I think everything went well. Fred's new edition of the flat top, that thing is going to be used a lot because <laughs> that thing works really well for a lot of stuff. The one thing that... You know, I was thinking before the uh, for the weekend was that man. You know, that we we've gotten into like so much stuff to do that all we're doing is just like doing stuff. So I delegated the preparation for communion off to somebody else, and so that that worked. Uh, priest, I'll take over. <laughs> yeah, when I'm there, <laughs> not running forty yard dashes. Exactly. Well, that's fine. <laughs> but I mean, it worked really, really well. You know, it, it really, that really does, that really did help a whole lot with the whole thing. The only thing is, I think in the beginning, I left them with a little bit too little supervision and instructions beforehand, because, you know, not to complain that the, the communion cups were full to the top, but our communion plates came back like stuck together because they've never come back that sticky. <laughs> so I think we need like a little bit of like... <laughs> Uh, you know, we need a little practice, like education and, and a little, training, a little practice on on the procedure and stuff, so that they're not like completely like it was like they were left on the floor in a frat house. I mean, they were like it took a while to clean them <laughs> off. But other, but I'm not complaining because I didn't do it and everything, and everything went great, and that's it. And then, and and so that that was a big help. So I think I only put the plastic cups in. I don't think I actually did the pouring. So I don't think that was me. Oh, I no, guarantee no, it's just, not you. Uh... Bill's not naming names, you know, to protect the innocent. <laughs> we know who it was. Yep. <laughs> Least he could have done is wiped them off after the spillage, Bill, you know. <laughs> well, that, that'll be part of the, uh, the, the training curriculum, how to properly administer uh, tailgating communion. So that's, yeah. a good, that's a good tip. Don't overfill your shot glasses because the table or, you know, if you're using a communion dish like we do, they'll get sticky. So just make sure you're not overfilling it to the very, very top. You know, I'm uh, I'm always wondering, like, if this show ever does grow to the level that we want, if somebody's going to, like, come after us for all the religious undertones that we have with our <laughs> content, because we're talking about communion and communion trays and Vince is like a de facto priest for our, for our tailgate. Like, no, no, no. We, good stuff. We take turns. We're equal opportunity. Everybody gets a say. <laughs> you want to you want to okay, make a cool. prediction? You're more than welcome to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, that, that's that's always a theme. Like, uh, all communion predictions are welcome here. So, yeah. Well, the person who, who who made the mess might have to go to confession. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, they can they can sit right next to Fred as he uh, airs out his, uh, you know, the, the guilt that he carries from his uh, college days debauchery. I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
So, yeah, so we got another home game here. You guys seemed like you got a little bit more creative with the menu for this past weekend. So I want to ask you, you know, what's on the menu for this weekend? But first, I got to ask, how was the deviled egg dip? Um, I thought it was good. Your your mother's still eating it now. So, I mean, she loves it. <laughs> um, good. <laughs> so I, I didn't think it went over well, although, you know, as as an experiment, on at my opinion, we go back to just double decks. I just think that I, yeah, uh, no, they're they're easy to they're easy to just grab one and run. It is a nice little yeah, yeah. So I people think just, it was it was an experiment, but I think we're gonna we're gonna go back to the, the tried and true. Yeah, cool. And we had a we had a ton this this week. We, we always have. It's it's always better to have too much food than too little. Obviously, this time we had we had some extra guests and a ton of food. So. Um, yeah, there was a fair fair amount left over to take home, given all the stuff we were dishing up. Oh, as yeah. Bill said, with the with the with the the flat top, the griddle, um, you know, I made kind of a full breakfast. And I I no sooner finished up, and Bill was on there with the brats and then the the quesadilla. The 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 uh, we had Bill walk walking around with a silver tray of uh, of quesad variety of quesadillas all afternoon. So that was nice. <laughs> Yeah, it works a lot better instead of making like a big pile of them. So like we're just making like one in, one like experimental one at a time with anything we had laying around and and just made one everybody ate a piece and then made another one stuff instead of like making this massive pile like everybody didn't have their own quesadilla. It's except for Andrew and Chris. I thought the they, steak they was had the best. Oh, uh, the one that I made with all the rest of the stuff left. Yeah, that thing was packed. It was like a half an inch thick. <laughs> Good so, stuff. So this week, I think you asked about this. This week uh, mm-hmm. has a bit of a theme. I, I, it's the chili cook-off because the, the birds often bring a chili, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I'll call it regular chili, the, the chili people think of, <clears throat> um, red. And and when I saw that in the queso, I I um, I have a, a recipe I haven't made in forever. It's a, a white chicken chili. So Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I figured oh, I'll bring that and we'll just have a chili buffet. Um, and the queso and I'm going to bring some like Fritos and shredded cheese for like Frito pie type thing. Yeah. So that's, that's our theme this week. Yeah. Cool. Plus, uh, we're, we're picking our first shot. Matter of fact, I'm in the kitchen and I'm washing out the stuff here for, we're going to do, uh, we're doing funnel cakes. Cool. Oh, that's uh, man. You guys, you guys are really like taking it up a notch uh, week after week. So that'll, I'm jealous that I'm not going to be there to try it. And, uh, you know, Fred, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but this is back from when I was a boy scout and they had a chili cook off at one at, uh, this summer camp that I attended. And I think dad, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you just, you didn't know that you weren't supposed to like have it on like the heat for as long as it was. And so you just ended up adding like so much spice to the mix that you won the, like the spiciest chili award by like a mile. Well, no, what I didn't know is that I I made your mother's recipe and then I dumped the chili powder in and it just didn't seem hot enough to me. So I kept dumping more chili powder until it seemed hot enough. Well, what I didn't know back then was that once you let this sit, it actually grows in intensity. <laughs> and so by the time I made this at like three o'clock in the afternoon and they don't do the tasting until like five thirty, six o'clock. 
by that time, this stuff was on fire. <laughs> 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 that's that's where I went. That's where I went awry in the fact that I went outside your mom's recipe because I thought that it wasn't quite hot enough. But I didn't know <laughs> that when she makes it, it's like three hours before I actually eat it. So that's what it was. There you go. Uh, so are you going to try to reach that level of spiciness for the chili this weekend? No, no. It's, she makes it. It's her thing. It's done. What I any more what I do is my bowl that I take, I put Frank's Red Hot and stuff, and I, I do my own thing. But it's best just to leave. Hers is good the way it is, and just leave it at that. All right. Good stuff. So with that, I think we can get into this upcoming weekend's game. Uh, we have... Like we said, a matchup against Northwestern in Beaver Stadium this Saturday. The spread at the time of recording is 25 and a half. So a sizable spread in favor of Penn State in this game. So why don't we just start with you again here, Fred? Um, you know, give us a score prediction. What do you think we're going to see during this game? And if you feel so inclined, uh, share a communion prediction. All right. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think we're going to cover that spread. I'm going 38-16. Penn State, but not not quite over the spread. And like I think I've said previously, I'm not particularly good at the at the predictions. But given given what we've seen and and how these two teams are put together, I'm going to go with uh, another four turnovers this game, and out of that, two defensive touchdowns. That's my prediction. Ooh. Cool. That'd be fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and and I do feel the need to bring up. I, I have to give a shout out to to my wife Andrea. After all the predictions last week, she was put on the spot and just <laughs> you know wasn't very specific, but blurted out that she thought Brenton Strange was going to be sort of the star of the game. And we were looking at each other many times during this game in the stands as uh, Brenton Strange kept doing rather nice things, including two TDs, I believe. So. Uh, right in front uh, of you guys the, too. Maybe the most correct prediction we've had, just randomly out of my wife. So, <laughs> very good. Yeah. So, uh, big shout out to you, Andrea. <laughs> Dad, what about you? Well, start out. Andrea's usually right about most things, so I really think that she should. Right, let's not take it too far. <laughs> I'm not married to her. You are, so I can say. That. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think that she needs to make at least one prediction at every game. Okay, so I think that. Northwestern has has not been very good this far. That's the point spread. But I I think that now we're Big Ten. I think you're going to see more of the Northwestern that you saw against Nebraska. I expect us to handle them. I think they're going to score more points than Central Michigan did against us. But I also expect us to score more points. So if you're taking, was it you said 25 and a half? Correct. Okay. So if you take 25 and a half, take Northwestern in the points, because I think that it's going to be 42-17. Cool. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, and, and I looked at Nascorigami. That's happened four times. <laughs> <laughs> as far as my prediction, I think that you're going to see two 100-yard rushers for Penn State. Oh, cool. So and, you're, you're taking my prediction from last week. <laughs> I was yeah, I was short yeah. of the mark, but I, I hope you're right here. Right. No, I think you're going to see it this week. Allen and Singleton are both going to have on it. I was just going to say, and are their names Allen and Singleton? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So, uh, Vince, you want to uh, round us out here? I know that you had 
uh, a weather-based question that you wanted to ask our, our tailgating gurus? So I have two questions. One's tailgate related and one is Penn State football. My first question for the both of you. We've had really good weather the first two games. However, the weather has been changing over the past couple of days. It's looking like it's going to be 50% chance rain on Saturday. I It wasn't supposed to r- rain on my bike ride today. And guess what? I got rained on. So what are your tips for fans to stay dry during wet weather games? Because I just have a feeling it's going to be a rainy day on Saturday. Um, my first one is to prepare for rain and be glad when it's dry. You know, as far as like talking tailgate or in the game, bring your rain gear and not be surprised when it rains. We, Fred will, Fred will tell you, we, we prepare for the worst and, and are thankful when the best comes out. So there's really not a whole lot that, I mean, unless we're talking like if the hurricane was coming through and we need to prepare for that. I think everything that we have in, in, in our supplies, basically, and everything that we bring is enough to keep us keep us dry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely have the, um, you know, if there's any chance of rain at all, I'll, I'll bring now. Now, there is a bit of a, we have had a change this season. So we are working with a somewhat untested, as we were talking about earlier, uh, rain setup. So I hope it's better, but. We have, as you said, Vince, the weather's been nice, so we haven't really had an opportunity to test it. But I think we'll be fine. I mean, in general, we'll be fine. We really just have a new gutter system that uh, I think the hard top that we put on the, the cover can't be bad. I, I don't see any issues there. Um, and by the way, that that was an improvement that was done because the the fabric cover we had before, would it worked great, but it would sag some on heavy rain days, and we'd have to kind of prod it with a pole to Yes, I remember poking that several times. (laughs) So Bill and I are always looking for those little pain points. Uh, So I'm trying to get rid of that one with the hard top. And then the gutter, same sort of thing, right? We kind of had a soft gutter, but also it was kind of a pain to put up. Um, In the beginning, we had these like, you know, Velcro straps. It was just a little bit of a pain, not a big deal, but especially those noon games, you want to get set up as quickly as possible. So Hopefully this will be better. We can, we, I tell you, we can put it up in about five seconds, so it'll go up much faster and then it's a hard gutter. So hopefully we have uh, good drainage with no, no needing to take care of that prodding of that thing either. But you know, when we're back at the tailgate with our setup, we can always, I think we do a pretty good job of staying dry. And then, you know, if the weather is so bad that we, if it's really bad, there's usually a few people who decide, They'd rather just stay dry at the tailgate and not go into the game. <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, but Bill and I love when someone will stay home, stay home with the tailgate so we don't have to tear anything down and do any work to go into the game. But other than that, you put a poncho on and you, you go in and you tough it out. I the think gutter- that if we, if this gutter system is successful, that we should maybe take some pictures and put it on the social media pages. That way viewers can are able to make their own. Well, that might be patented. <laughs> That's right. That's going to work well. And the other thing, we're not going to do it hashing out on here or whatever, but I do have another idea for our other problem, and that is wind on the side of the the walls. You know, we always have that problem with that. I think I have a fix for that. I have a, uh, I have an idea for that that that's going to help us nail that down. Cool. One thing I'll throw in here for rain 
uh, rain preparation for game day. This kind of goes back, uh, you know, talking about boy scouting and all this kind of stuff is uh, wear an actual rain jacket or a poncho up top, because if you are wearing like a cotton uh, sweatshirt or something and you're caught in a downpour, that is going to stay wet for as long as you have it on. Like there's a there's an old saying in uh, in hiking that cotton, cotton kills. kills. So, yep. So you can't uh, you shouldn't be wearing cotton. Um <laughs> wherever you can. So that'll just be a nice little quality of life thing as you're sitting there, standing there in the stadium, uh, just to kind of help you ease through the weather conditions a little bit. So, uh, I digress though, Vince, uh, go ahead and ask your, your other question. All right. My second question, I was reading an onward state article today and one of their hot takes was Penn state should be ranked higher than they are. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree. I'm I'm good with where we're at. I I don't I don't know that. I mean, I, you know, I hope that's the direction we go in. Obviously, but I don't know that we've seen enough to, for me to say with certainty we should be ranked higher than we are. So I'm good with where we're at. Um, I disagree with it too. And honestly, at the beginning of the season, when when people would ask me, "Are we upset that Penn State's not ranked?" Whatever, and I said, "It will take care of itself. We take care of business. It will take care of itself." So. The fact that we're 11 actually to me is astonishing. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we feel like a, a number 11 team, but that's that's fine. Um, but uh, I'm fine. I'm fine where we're at. And um, like I said, we take care of business. You know, everything will take care of itself. Yeah. I, I, yeah hey, we, we beat one of the uh, harder opponents that are going to be coming fairly quickly here. It'll go up, <laughs> plain and simple, right? Exa- exactly. No doubt, we're gonna rise up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you if you think about it, yeah. Granted, we're talking about like taking care of Northwestern. Then we have a buy. Then we really get into the next three weeks are going to <laughs> that determines whether actually do you belong at eleven, you know, or not? Because we could go. Oh, we could literally go zero and three in October, or you know, who knows? But uh, it's a very daunting October that we have. It's not easy, especially how Minnesota's playing. I mean, almost, I'm actually glad that they made Minnesota the whiteout game because we may need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same camp as you on that one. Yeah, good stuff. So we'll see how uh, things continue to shake out. I mean, it seems like Penn State's ranking has really been helped along by some other teams kind of losing along the way. I mean, the jump from... Uh, what was it, I guess, like 23 to 14 after the blowout against Auburn, you know, kind of saw them going into like the mid-teens, but being on the verge of top 10, uh, given like who they've played so far, it seems like there's, you know, some external factors at play there, but mm-hmm. all great stuff. So Vince, anything else that you want to bring up here before we head back to our discussion about Northwestern? I'm looking to the fo- forward of the k- tailgate. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me know how it is, guys. Uh, I'm going to be feeling the appropriate amount of FOMO as always, but thank you so much for being on the Nittany Blues podcast. Once again, we're going to have you guys on obviously uh, as we continue to have more home games, but for now, thank you. Vince, let's head back over to our discussion about Northwestern. Welcome back to our coverage of Northwestern. It's been a while since we've played them. The last time we played Northwestern was on the road, October 7th, 2017. And that was a 31 to seven Nittany Lion victory in Evansville. 
Penn State leads the overall series 13-5. to Last year, the Northwestern Wildcats did not have their best year. They were 3-9. and They're not off to a great start. They're 1-3. and three. The, uh, They're winless since the first week of the season. They beat Nebraska 31-28, to then lost at home 31-23 to versus Duke. They lost 31-24 to versus Southern Illinois. And they have their trio of losses ending with a 17-14 loss versus Miami of Ohio. So all four of their games were home this past year. And this is going to be their first away game heading into Happy Valley. Andrew, what are your early thoughts on Northwestern? Yeah, I mean, this seems to be like a team that's uh, kind of in a a bit of a rut. Um, You know, the fact that their lone win comes against Nebraska, which is a team that has a whole host of its own problems, is a bit telling. And the fact that Northwestern uh, had to rely on Nebraska to do some strange things like onsides kicks uh, to be allowed back into that game to eventually win that game that was hosted in Ireland. Um, That's a bit telling as well. So I feel like... uh, you know, Penn State is and should be pretty heavily favored in this matchup um, just because Penn State has had some good success both at home and on the road. So I think um, Penn State talent wise and just probably confidence wise has the upper hand here. Um, if we're looking, though, at some players to watch on the Northwestern offense and defense, as we do like to cover on offense, uh, really going to be looking at Ryan Holinsky, who is, uh, you know, he's a guy who hasn't had um, tremendous success along with the rest of the team this year, but he's still a pretty experienced guy back there. Uh, He did transfer from uh, University of South Carolina. Uh, So he's still a pretty experienced player. Like I said, he actually did have a pretty decent game against Nebraska in the season opener. He had over 300 yards passing. Uh, So, you know, he's a guy who, if he's allowed to get into a rhythm, seems like he can uh, put up a nice showing through the air. And the guy though, that I think Penn state fans should pay attention to the most is their running back, Evan Hall. And the reason why they should be paying attention to him is because he does everything for that offense. (laughs) He is the team's, uh, leading rusher and also their leading receiver. So kind of has a little bit of, um, uh, Brian Westbrook energy to him where he's just, uh, he does everything for that offense. So kind of like uh, a staple, if you will. And I think also, um, you know, we should also pay attention to the offensive line. There's a lot of experienced guys on that line, and it's really highlighted by their left tackle, Peter Skaronsky, who was all Big Ten last year. So there's some uh, some good guys, some experienced guys on that line who are going to give Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, and others a good test as they try to uh, kind of bounce back a little bit and put some more pressure on the quarterback. Then switching over to the defense, uh, the guy that I want to highlight the most is Bryce Gallagher, their linebacker who leads the team in tackles. And then we have kind of a host of different guys at different positions who are kind of uh, in the mix of doing everything or doing a little bit of everything for the Northwestern defense. These are guys who are getting into the backfield to getting sacks. Uh, They're forcing fumbles. They're catching interceptions. And so there's three names here that I want to shout out. And the first one is Adetamoa Adabare the senior defensive end and Cam Mitchell and Xander Mueller, who are a defensive back and linebacker respectively. So, you know, these are some guys who are a bit of uh, like playmakers on the defense. Um, Xander and Cam have caught a couple of interceptions uh, for some fumbles. Uh, All of these guys have recorded a sack so far this year. So I think there are some names that we should be looking out for uh, this upcoming Saturday. 
So as far as, um, you know, what Penn State has to do to win this game, um, if I'm thinking about this, uh, starting with offense, I think it really just circles down or it really just drills down to a rebound performance for the offensive line. You know, they have to really protect Clifford from this experienced uh, Northwestern defensive line. Like Northwestern hasn't had a ton of success this year um, rushing the quarterback. So they definitely don't want that success to start uh, with this game against Penn State. And, uh, you know, as we saw in the game against Auburn, if the offensive line is playing well, that opens up that opens things up in the run game and everything just kind of flows more and everything uh, just kind of works a little bit better. And then on defense, I think uh, it's very simple. Like they have to limit Evan Hall. We, I think uh, a lot of maybe some of our uh, millennial listeners might remember that episode of Hey Arnold, where uh, the basketball team had the strategy of pass the ball to Tucker because he was the coach's son. Well, in this instance, uh, it's get the ball, get the ball to Evan Hall because he's gonna uh, be looking to carry the offense yet again. Um, so look for him to you know receive a couple of targets out of the backfield and also uh, just uh, you know leading the rushing attack as well. And I think. Uh, Alongside that, it's uh, super important for Penn State to not let Ryan Holinsky uh, get into a rhythm at quarterback uh, to really be comfortable in the pocket because historically, and we even saw it um, sometimes this year, Penn State gets itself into trouble when the opposing quarterback is allowed to get into a rhythm, like complete a couple of passes, set his feet. So uh, the best way to prevent that is just a solid pass rush. Um, we saw a bit of a dip with the uh, defensive line this past week against Central Michigan. And what we saw from that was Daniel Richardson being able to complete a couple of passes, albeit with a couple of incredible one-handed uh, catches by the Central Michigan receivers. But still, they were able to travel down the field uh, with good effectiveness and score a couple of touchdowns. So that's really, I think, uh, it's it sounds really simple, but I think that's what we got to do. Like We got to dominate uh, the trenches on both sides of the football and uh, just making sure that we're executing and, and protecting the football like we have been uh, so far this year. So Vince, what do you think? Do you agree with what I said? Anything you'd like to add there or um, anything that I maybe completely overlooked? Yeah, I think you covered a lot of good points. Ryan Holinsky is definitely the leader. Their offense hasn't been putting up as many points as they would have liked. He he publicly said this, this is not Northwestern football and he kind of Felt bad that he was embarrassing Coach Fitz out there. So definitely a, a good locker room guy, good leader. So he he's definitely the the heartbeat of that team. They throw the ball a lot. He he throws at least thirty eight times a game, up to sixty versus Duke. So this is a team that likes to throw the ball. But like you said earlier, they love to throw the ball to the running backs and tight ends. If we look at our stats versus Duke here. Guess how many targets Hall had? I'm going to say it's over 10. He had 18 targets. <laughs> wow. He caught four, caught 14 for 213 receiving yards. And that is their running back, folks. And he had another 65 yards rushing that game, too. So at that point, when you see those numbers, you're just like, why have wide receivers on the team even <laughs> at that point? If you're going to pass him the ball that much. Yeah, for but, real. You know, Gordon, their tight end, had seven targets, five receptions for 78 yards in that game. Kind of the big guy I'm looking for at the wide receiver position, though, is Malik Washington. He gets a lot of targets, and he's kind of their kind of like carrier last week against Central Michigan. I feel like he's the one one guy who can really help move the chains for them. So 
attacking this this Northwestern offense, if I am Penn State, I think I'm going to be pretty aggressive up front with all those passes to the running back. And I think Northwestern is going to try to establish the run game and get the ball out of Holinsky's hands rather quickly to avoid the pass rush. So what I'm going to do is make sure that everyone is disciplined in their gaps, playing aggressive up up close and trying to make them beat you over the top, especially since we got great date, great guys in the secondary, like Joey Porter, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, Kalen King, Jair Brown, Zach Wheatley. Like this, this defensive backfield is just awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think I don't, I'm not super worried about them getting beat deep. So I would, I would be forcing them to beat us deep. So I think that's what we should do on the defensive end. Offensively, uh, Northwestern's done a solid job. They haven't allowed any of their opponents to over 31 points. They held Miami of Ohio to 17. So overall, I think they're a solid defense. They get, you know, a good amount of tackles for loss and a good amount of sacks. But at the same time, they really don't force many turnovers. And if you look at their last three games, they lost the turnover battle by two in both of those matches. Whereas their Nebraska game they won. So I think turnovers will be a key in this one, just like you said. So very important for the offense to just take care of the ball. I think in this game, you're going to see the line struggle like usual. I think there's going to be times where it's just like, man, Nick Singleton's getting tackled in the backfield again. But then I think there's going to be times where a hole will open up and then Nick is going to break for a 40, 50 yard run. So I think it's going to be one of those games where it's a feast or famine type thing. And then Katron will get his touches as well. And I'm, I think, I think we can do well in the passing attack as well. So I think this is overall a, a solid defense, but that's kind of what I expect from Northwestern's end. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think we overlap our thoughts in a lot of ways, especially just with needing to see improved performance on the offensive line and uh, just making sure that we're not letting the quarterback get too comfortable and uh, just making sure that we still have that lockdown pass defense uh, that Ben don't break if we get ourselves into the into the red zone, kind of like crack down and uh, limit their chances. So yeah, I uh, I agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there, Vince. Yeah, I think this is definitely a a really good chance for the team to get on a, to build an energy going up into Michigan. Cause this is the, the last game before we enter that gauntlet of death, like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Northwestern one and three, even if things don't go perfect, I, I think Penn state should, you know, get out of there with a W and then we have our three hardest games of the season, all back to back to back. So we're going to be on the road in the big house against Michigan home for a whiteout against Minnesota who looks great and and is undefeated. And then we, you know, on Halloween weekend, we're going to have the Ohio state Buckeyes into town. So um, I think this is a really good chance for the Lions to get some momentum, but also I think the buy comes at a good time because you'll have rest going into those three games. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think that's a great point that you just made there. Like this is, 
uh, for many reasons, this is a great time to put up a solid performance as a team. Like we're returning back to Big Ten play, which is, uh, you know, always a grind every year to kind of go through those teams, especially when you have teams like Michigan and Ohio State and even Minnesota. Now you throw them in there back to back to back. So it's great to kind of get that part of the season started off on the right foot. But also because, you know, you had that performance against Central Michigan, you won the game by a somewhat comfortable margin, but you know that there was plenty left on the table. This is a great time to tighten those things up, show that you're making those adjustments and those fixes. So for all of those different reasons, it'd be great and really, um, it'd be really encouraging as fans to see them come ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think they're, I don't think Penn state's going to be too creative. I do think Franklin's going to hold some of those play calls still close to the best. That way he can come into Michigan next uh, after the bye with some interesting plays that they haven't seen yet. Which I'd be okay with, you know, if, if we, if we don't need to get creative, but we're still executing to a point where things are still going our way, like we're still able to get the yards and get the matchups that we want and still win the game by a comfortable margin. Like that's a really good thing. You know, we, we need to be able to do those things really well in order to, you know, throw those extra creative, uh, like trick plays in there that ultimately could mean the difference between winning or losing a game. Yeah, I agree for sure. That is what I would like to see. I would like to see us beat them without running their best plays. That way they can have something new to show these these next three big games coming up. So that, that's what I'm looking for. But at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping that it, this doesn't turn into a game like Illinois last year where the offense just sputtered and Northwestern just keeps drawing the ball for three, four yards of play and just keeps the chains moving, keeps our defense out there the whole game and doesn't turn over the ball. I'm hoping that this is a game where we get to a lead early. You know, we take care of business. Drew Alar gets some some passes. That's some, that's what I'd like to see this weekend. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have any other th- immediate thoughts about Northwestern. Uh, should should we move into some over unders? Yeah, I'm ready for over unders. So right now, the spread looking good for Penn State. We are predicted to win by 25 and a half points. Do you have us over or under the spread, Andrew? So for the first time this season, I'm going to take the under here. 25 and a half is a pretty big spread. Um, I think that if Penn State really set their mind to it and really went after it, they could beat that spread. But I think the way that this game is going to go just using examples from previous games this season is that they're going to try to get out to a comfortable lead. They're going to bring in Drew Hour. They're going to bring in some other guys at different positions uh, to try and get them those reps to prepare them for this death march part of the season. And so I think we're going to see maybe a bit of a plateau uh, from a scoring standpoint. So I um, I think when the dust settles, uh, we're still going to have a pretty comfortable margin of victory, but I don't think it's going to be over that 25 and a half point mark. My pessimism is rubbing off on you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I will also take the the under here. Northwestern, all four of their games versus their opponents have been close. They haven't lost by more than eight points. So they've been in all one possession games. So they're competitive. Northwestern University is known for recruiting smart athletes. So I, I think that they're gonna they're gonna come come here with their A game. So I'll take the under. All right. The over-under overall is 52 points. So do you think Penn State will get over 28 and a half? 
I do. Yeah, there's too much offensive firepower on this team to not put up at least four touchdowns, probably um, a field goal or two on there. Like, there's just too much talent. And I think, like I said, I'm optimistic that the offensive line is going to have kind of a rebound performance from last week, which is just going to open up everything. But even when the offensive line struggles, we've seen Penn State as an offense in past years still get a couple of explosive plays that uh, puts them up into like the 30 point mark. So I think that even if the line does struggle a little bit at times, like they'll still find themselves enough at points during the game uh, to put them over that point mark. I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to take the over. I I agree with you. Cool. (laughs) All right. Points against over or under 13 and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the over for Northwestern to score more than 13 and a half, but just barely over. I think that this Penn State defense, when all things are clicking, especially uh, for their pass defense, is uh, is really tough to beat. And we know that Northwestern, you know, we've seen from the stats that they like to pass the ball a lot. I mean, obviously, Evan Hall is kind of the, the centerpiece to their offensive attack. So if we're limiting his ability to... Um, catch those balls out of the out of the backfield but also then you know when the, when they're going to try to run like the play action stuff uh, to get it to their receivers if we're able to limit those explosive plays I think that um, Northwestern is going to have a bit of a, a, a tough time stretching the field so I am going to take the over here for Northwestern uh, but just barely I'm in that same train of thought as well I'll take the over but not by much All right. uh, Rushing yards. Do you think the Nittany Lions can get to the 200 yard mark like we did against Auburn? This Northwestern defense hasn't been the best against the run. Do you think we can do it? Yeah, I think we can. And so I like it, you know, I'm going to circle this all back to just kind of being optimistic and hopeful that the offensive line is going to rebound. And so we know what happens when the offensive line plays well is that the running game takes off. Like you just need to give Nick Singleton like an inch of daylight and he'll take it to the house. So you want to throw in like maybe two touchdowns that he takes to the house. Like that's already 80 yards right there. Like Catron Allen's probably going to get a, a good handful of snaps like he has been all season. So I think, uh, you know, when is all said and done, I think we'll, it, it's going to be close, but like I said, I'm going to be optimistic and take the over. I think this is a game where Penn state is going to try to run the ball a lot. I think they will be in that 170 to 180 range. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the under, but not by much. I, I think Penn state will do better than they did last week. And also when you run the ball, you you leave Sean Clifford less vulnerable to take hits, which you know he's going to take it a lot of after the bye. So I would like to see Sean Clifford healthy heading into the uh, gauntlet of death, as we we should we call it. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Cliff, passing yards over or under two hundred and fifty yards. I'm gonna take the under, um, just because I think that part of like you just said, part of the game plan of trying to get out to a comfortable margin of victory is going to rely on the running game. So I think we'll see a heavy dose of Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, and Devin Ford, uh, much like we saw in the Auburn game. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see him have to pass the ball as often. And so, you know, once they get into that territory of like, okay, like we can hand things over to Drew, I think he'll be probably around like the 200 mark, uh, you know, kind of similarly to what he was 
at Auburn, like he had somewhere in the area of like, well, like 170 passing yards in that game or something along those lines. So I, I could see a pretty similar stat line here. Yeah, I'll take the under. I think they'll be close kind of around that 230, 240 range. So I'll, I'll take just the under. All right. Penn State turnovers over or under half a turnover. Do Are they perfect for four games in a row? You know what? I was wrong last week, so I'm going to I'm going to take the under here. You know, that Penn State has shown itself to be very, very good at protecting the football. You know, I, I think that Sean, aside from that one, you know, against Purdue has uh, made some good decisions throwing the football. We haven't seen the running backs put it on the ground or any of the receivers put it on the ground and lose it. Uh, so I'm going to say that trend continues here. So I'm going to take the under. Excellent. I think I'll take the under as well. And until, you know, they, they prove otherwise, I'm going to trust these guys to take care of business and Northwestern hasn't been great at forcing turnovers so far this year. So I will take the under takeaways for the Penn state defense over or under two and a half. I'll take the over. Yeah, I mean, uh, Penn State has been a very proficient team at taking the ball away in nearly all games this season. So I think the fact that Northwestern likes to put the ball in the air a lot means plenty of opportunities for guys like Johnny Dixon to have another nice snag out of the air, like a guy like Kalen King to get another takeaway. I mean, obviously, we've seen Zaki Wheatley do his thing. So I think uh, when all is said and done, we will be over that mark. Excellent. I'll take the over as well. I think I'm seeing three turnovers in this game. All right. Uh, sacks does, is the pass rush able to get over two sacks? I'll take the over, you know, I, I, I could see Penn state, uh, on the defensive side, kind of go back to what was working really well against Auburn, like with throwing in a couple of exotic blitzes on, uh, third and long and giving, um, you know, like Chop Robinson and Disa Isaac chances to put some extra pressure on the quarterback. So I think the fact that we're going back into Big Ten play, like that means a little something extra defensively. So we're going to want to kind of put uh, like kind of plant our flag that this is a, a pass rush and a defensive line that's uh, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so kind of building the confidence moving into the toughest part of the season. So I'm going to take the over here, Vince. Excellent. I'll, I'll take the under. I think we only get two sacks. I think they're going to be looking to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. If, uh, if I was the Northwestern coach, that's what I would do. So I'll, I'll take the under. Yep, totally. All fair. Right. Is the offensive line able to keep Sean clean? Do they give up less than two sacks? I'm going to take the under and it's because I I have to stick with my uh, theme of optimism for the offensive line. I mean, we thought that the Auburn game was going to be just a a slugfest. You know, we thought that we weren't going to be able to run the ball. We thought that this was going to be a game where Clifford was going to have to like battle through like attrition or just, uh, you know, serious um, like hits coming his way. And I mean, he did get clocked on the one, but uh, he didn't take a sack. So I, um, like I said, I'm, I kind of have to stick to my guns a little bit and uh, say that the offensive line is going to have a bit of a rebound. And you know, part of the reason why I think that they'll have a rebound game is because Penn state, like as a team has shown that they've been able to clean up certain things week to week. Like I, in the last pod, I used the example of like the drops against Purdue. Like we didn't see any drops in the next week against Ohio. So I, I think that proves that, you know, they're able to correct things as they go week to week. So I think the offensive line is going to have a better game. And so because of that, I'm going to take the under here, but I could be incredibly wrong. (laughs) 
You know what? Your your optimism is spreading to me, Andrew. It's really spreading. So cool. <laughs> last week, the offensive line had a poor performance, but they still only gave up one sack against Central Michigan, and that's when Drew Alar was in. So, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take the under here. I'll, I'll take the awesome. under as well. Yeah, cool. All right. Fact or fiction? Penn State will win the turnover battle by two or more. Fact. Northwestern, when I was looking at the data, um, they're negative five in the turnover department so far this season. Uh, Penn State has been incredibly proficient in the turnover department so far this season. So just based on the evidence that we've seen so far this season, I think that Penn State will win the turnover battle by that margin. I agree. Penn State is plus eight, and I'm going to say they continue that until they, they prove otherwise. So I'll say fact as well. Fact or fiction, Drew Lahr gets to play at least one quarter in this game. Yeah, I'll say fact. You know, I think like Central Michigan, as I said last episode to me, was Penn State's way to get a ton of guys deep down in the depth chart reps very early on in the game. I don't think you're going to see anywhere near that level of rotation that early on in this game. Like Penn State's going to be looking to have their starters out there and get them like kind of sanded down and ready to go for Big Ten play. And so I think they're going to be putting up uh, some points pretty early. So I think, you know, it's not probably going to be like the entire fourth quarter, but I could see like Sean playing maybe like half of the third quarter, then Drew playing the second half of the third quarter, and then maybe at least half of the fourth quarter before we bring in uh, Christian Veyu or maybe even Bo if they decide to switch things up. I mean, that's how I could see this playing out if things are going Penn State's way. I mean, obviously, uh, we've seen things go very awry in Penn State's planning <laughs> of certain things, so it's hard to predict it to, the, to its full accuracy. But I'm saying that if all things are going well for Penn State and they're getting the results that they want, I think that this could be a fact. I think I'm going to go fiction on this one. I do think that the score is going to be closer than most people think. So I'll go fiction on this one. Okay. All right. Uh, Nick Singleton bounces back for 100 or more rushing yards. I'll take fact. Yeah. I mean, uh, he didn't have the super explosive game against Purdue, and we all saw what he did the following two weeks. So I'm going to say fact. Excellent. So... A few weeks ago, we talked about Clifford's leash, right? So has Clifford's leash grown longer since Ohio? Factor no, fiction, his leash has yeah. grown longer. I'm going to say fiction. I mean, I, I think it's still pretty much the same. I, I mean, I think that all in all, the like the controversy or the conversations were a little overblown, just kind of like a little bit of sensationalism thrown in there because Drew is like this shiny new object. Obviously, he has a ton of talent around him, but I still think that you know the the thought never really crossed like Franklin's mind unless things went totally south and Clifford was like irredeemable. But that hasn't really happened yet, so I think that it's around the same as it was. So I'm going to say fiction, but that's only because like, it's not because he's played badly. It's because I think the leash is longer than people uh, thought like to begin the season. So I'll say fiction here. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say fact just because I think you have really seen him assert his leadership and, and he's played better. It seems every single week. So I'll, I'll I'll say fact there. Yep. That's fair. Fact or fiction. Jake Pinniger will get the kicking game back on track. 
I'm going to say fact, and that's only because I sincerely hope that it's it become it that it comes true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you said this last week or in in our last episode that if things are shaky in the kicking game going into some of those toughest Big Ten competition or into those toughest Big Ten contests, like that could very well mean the difference between lo- winning or losing those games. Like we need to count on those three points coming from, you know, 35 and in. And I would even say that, you know, like from 40 yards and in, we should uh, really be confident in getting those points too. So I'm going to say fact, but it's uh, purely because I just really, really hope that it comes true. <laughs> <laughs> well, as uh, as Chip Kelly and Howie Roseman say, hope is not a strategy. So for me, I'm going to say fiction. Uh, not, not, it's not all on Pinnaker. I do think a lot of it is on the, you know, the blockers on special teams. There's been times where block kick, kicks are getting blocked. There's nothing you can do about that if you're the kicker. So I think, and unless I'm proved otherwise, this is going to continue to be an issue, and it really scares me going into this death march of a schedule we have coming up after the bye. So I, I hope this gets cleaned up, but I'm going to say fiction. All right, fact or fiction? Penn State's defensive back group needs a nickname. Fact. Yeah, I mean they've uh, they're balling out this year. I, it has to be something like turnover related because they've just been so good at taking the ball away. So yeah, I mean it has to be like the the takeaway squad or something like that. Like just expand Zaki Wheatley's title to the entire defensive back unit. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, a uh, uh, true for sure. What what are some what are some that's a fact for sure. So, what are some nicknames you think would be good for our our defensive backs? Uh yeah, I mean, uh the takeaway squad would be one. I mean, we're not really like Legion of Boom-esque, so I'm not going to kind of throw that in there, but uh, you know, maybe like the Lion the Lion Lockdown crew or something like that, you know. Uh just something that has to do with like interceptions or pass breakups. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) I was thinking Legion of Blue, but unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the student section for the basketball games. They're the Legion of Blue. You know, that goes off the Legion of Boom pretty well. But unfortunately, the uh, basketball team has taken that away. So that doesn't fly. I think something like the White Walkers would be cool because you got Zach Wheatley, who's like the turnover king and... They're like the White Walkers. Nothing gets past them. And so I think something Game of Thrones would be cool, like the White Walkers or like the Night's Watch or something like that. Like just nothing gets by them. Some, something like that would be really cool. But we'll, we'll uh, maybe we can reach out to our fans to see if they can come up with some better nicknames than us. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. If you want to call them like uh, like like the lion wall or something like that, but that would be kind of like defensive line and linebacker type of stuff. So we'll, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Yeah. We, we have, we have a buy coming up. We'll, we'll dedicate our entire bye week into coming up with a great nickname for our defense, our elite defensive backs. There we go. <laughs> All right. Last fact or fiction Penn state will be on college game day after their bye in the big house. I'm going to say fact because if things go to plan, this is going to be uh, a matchup of two top 10 teams. And 
game day loves to go to you know the premier Big Ten venues like Ann Arbor and Columbus. Uh, so I'm going to say fact here. I'll say fact as well. I don't foresee much competition in this one. Uh, the only one I think would be close is the Oklahoma Texas game because that is, the Red River rivalry is a really big deal in college football. But Oklahoma lost to K State, Texas lost to Alabama and Texas Tech. So I I, I think that things are leading very well towards this being a big college game day and night game and exciting atmosphere for the Nittany Lions. Good stuff. And on to our favorite segment of our preview pod, communion. Andrew, give me your communion prediction. Yeah, so this runs in the theme of, uh, you know, bounce backs. Like we're talking all about like bounce back and just stepping up our level of play after Central Michigan and uh, just getting ourselves set up so that we're uh, as best prepared as we can be for Michigan, Minnesota and Ohio State. And so one guy that I think we're going to be looking for a bit of a bounce back. And I mean, I, I think it's kind of weird to even call it a bounce back because he didn't have like that terrible of a game, but I'm going to be looking at Nick Singleton because he is just that talented. So uh, obviously he's been very proficient at getting into the end zone this season uh, from some pretty long distances, but specifically I want to call out the ways that he's going to get into the end zone. So in this game against Northwestern, I think you're going to see him score at least one touchdown on the ground, but I think you're also going to see him score his first touchdown after pass after catching a pass. So I think he'll have at least one on the ground and one through the air as well. Excellent. That's why I like to see some versatility from Nick Singleton. So I'm having a rule now for the rest of the season that Nick Singleton will not be in my communion predictions. I thought he would have a huge game the first week of the season. Didn't manifest into existence. This past week against Central Michigan, I said he was going to have three touchdowns. He didn't have one. Then the other two games when I didn't, he had a great game. So I'm leaving Nick Singleton out of my community predictions for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, nice. Just because I'm way too superstitious about messing up his performance. Right. So... (laughs) My communion prediction is the defensive backs, the White Walkers, are able to force three interceptions led by Zach Wheatley, the turnover king. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Uh, You know, I think it'd be awesome to see uh, Joey Porter get one, too, because, I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic at breaking up passes, but I'm not sure if he's recorded an interception yet this year. And I mean, he's had his he's had his opportunities. I mean. Obviously, he had the one against Purdue. Uh, you know, it's really a credit to him that he hasn't had that many opportunities in all the other games because he's just locked down his guy so thoroughly. So I'd love to see him get one in this game, too. Yeah, it would be good. It's it's hard, though, because he's so good that the quarterbacks just don't throw to that side of the field. That's that's just kind of the way it is with how, how good he is. Right. Oh, but fun fact. So did you know that according to Pro Football Focus, Kalen King had the best coverage score in week four he's the highest really cool player. nice yeah i i did see that and uh yeah i mean that's uh that's really awesome i mean i didn't like see his um name called a bunch of times but i guess that is actually just a uh a tribute to how well he played during that game i mean obviously he had that forced fumble as well um so didn't really get beat on any of the plays uh throughout the game so yeah 
cool for him. I mean, obviously him and Johnny kind of switching out on the opposite side of Joey Porter is working out very well for Penn State. So the fact that he's uh, performing as well as he is in his second year with the program after having a pretty solid freshman campaign is uh, is super good for Penn State to just continue this strong play of defensive backs leading into next year and beyond. So do they do they sp- kind of share reps and split that starting spot opposite Joey? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've seen so far. And that uh, seems to be what uh, kind of the Penn State beat writers have noticed is that like they'll just kind of swap in and out um, during the better parts of the game. So it's not crazy that we don't even he's not even like the clear number two corner. And yet he's like pro football focuses, like highest rated, like defensive back. Like it's not crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And, and I mean, it's like it gets even crazier when you consider that the guy that he is splitting that position with uh, Johnny Dixon had that insane snag of an interception during that Central Michigan game. Like his his performance, according to their metrics, was better than that. Like that's that's insane to think about. <laughs> yeah, this group is definitely the group where I'm like, this is this is the group I'm like banging, banging the table for. Like, this is the best group on the team like you cannot convince me otherwise they're playing at such a great level right now and i hope it continues yes uh same i mean it and it's kind of funny to think like as a penn state fan base that you know we're i mean obviously they deserve all the credit in the world but it's kind of uh funny how we're like touting the defensive backs and uh but we think that like the defensive line and the linebackers could uh step things up a little bit like that's just so like antithetical to what Penn State has been over decades of football so um you know but i think that's like necessary for uh what the college game throws at you now so i mean obviously i love it and i mean there's like talent to spare on the defensive line and linebacker group so i mean they're going to be just fine but this is without a doubt like one of the most talented and effective secondaries that we've seen in blue and white in a long time i agree and if that pass rush gets going it's going to be feast time for these dbs and interceptions it's 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 really exciting to to think about agreed so should we move on to uh, some other games that we have on our radar for this weekend? Oh, we got to do one thing first. Final score. What do you got? Oh, right. Yes, of course. Uh, man, how, how did I forget? Yeah. So <laughs> I so as I said, during like over unders and uh, like factor fiction, I think that Penn State is going to get out to a comfortable margin of victory here over that uh, 28 mark but Northwestern is going to get over that 13 and a half mark. So uh, like I said before, I don't think that they're going to cover the spread, but it is barely coming under. I think that Penn State is going to win this game 38 to 14 for a 24 point victory. So that's where my mind is at. What about you, Vince? So I think the offense isn't going to be quite that high. I do think the defense will hold them to 14, but my score is 31 to 14. I think they're going to play fairly conservative run the ball a lot, not show their hand for Michigan coming up. And, you know, I think Northwestern, they've been competitive in all their games. I don't seeing them just let us run away with it. So I'm going to go with 31-14 Penn State over Northwestern. Okay. Any uh, non-conference games you're excited to watch? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say most of the games that I'm excited to watch outside of Penn State 
really are a non-conference, uh, really starting with Clemson and NC State. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, it'd be awesome to see NC State kind of uh, continue this bit of resurgence. I mean, they had their shot at Clemson a couple of years ago when Clemson was still ruling the ACC. And so it'd be, it'll be interesting to see how uh, they perform in this one. Um, you have Alabama and Arkansas in the SEC. I mean, I think that Alabama's like probably going to win that game by a bunch of points, but we'll see. I mean, we all know what happened in that Texas game. Oklahoma and Baylor, you know, that's a top 25 matchup in the Big 12. So we'll see how that one shakes out. And um, we have another SEC matchup in Kentucky and and Ole Miss. So we'll see if, uh, if uh, you know, one of our other guys, Will Levis, we'll see how he does in another mm-hmm. um, top 25 SEC matchup, uh, see if he continues his ascension. Because uh, you want to know something that's crazy that I saw as like a kind of like a secondhand information tweet, Vince? Um, oh, so, I, I got, I got it. Uh, Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like we all, we all know that. We all know his, uh, his questionable food and drink habits. But I saw that, um, you know, in just kind of like passing conversation. Uh, I forget if it was, uh, if it was McShay or who it was, uh, kind of floated a name out there as a possible number one pick based on like pure potential in terms of his size, strength arm talent and stuff like that. And it was Will Levis. Like, could you imagine if Will Levis turns into a number one pick in the NFL draft? He, he's an awesome dude, but he's, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback at the next level. It's just not going to happen. His, his throwing and mechanics are, are not good enough to make those next level throws. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, Vince, Vince is calling bull on that, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just thought it, it it makes for good conversation as a Penn state fan, because I mean, like, like quite honestly, if Will Levis turns into that, like if he turns into like a top 10 pick as a quarterback and like, I mean, people were already are already like clamoring, like, Oh, like they let the wrong guy go. And like Clifford is still here. Like that would take that like argument and jack it up to 11. So I think Sean will get dra- drafted higher than Will Levis. Really? Wow. Yeah. All right. I think I think Levis is going to be a late round guy, and they're going to see if they can kind of fix his mechanics. Like Clifford, you know, at least throws pretty well. Like if he has a clean pocket and is able to set his feet, he he can throw pretty well. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like a super high pick, but I mean, I would I'd rather if I was in the NFL, I'd rather have Clifford over Levis. So, all right. So, uh, we have a couple of draft predictions from you on record now with, uh, Parker Washington and now, uh, now Sean Clifford. I mean, Parker's having, uh, having himself a nice season. We probably have him back for another season next year. So maybe Drew Aller and Parker Washington are going to be that magic duo and maybe he will fulfill your prediction of getting drafted higher than Jahan. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's interesting that we're kind of building a list of, uh, some Penn Stater or previous Penn Stater into the NFL predictions from events. Yeah, I think the NIL deal makes it easier for receivers like him to stay. But I will say that we also did not expect to get a receiver as awesome as Mitchell Tinsley in the transfer portal. So I think Tinsley has stole his thunder a little bit. But if he stays an extra year, I think that makes my prediction a little bit more likely. (laughs) Good stuff. So uh, what games are you excited to watch, Vince? Are they a lot of the same ones as I mentioned? A lot of them are the same. Uh, NC State, I think, is overrated. 
Like, I don't think Penn State is a top 10 team, like a New Year's Six team. I don't think they're ready to get to that point yet. But I don't think NC State is either. Like, I'm not sure why they're ranked so high. Um, I also think in the ACC that Wake Forest at Florida State is going to be interesting. They're both ranked now. Wake Forest obviously had that heartbreaking double overtime loss. And Florida State is undefeated for the first time in a while. So I think that's going to be interesting. Also, moving over to the Big 12, I think uh, Texas Tech at Kansas State is going to be a fun game to watch. So Texas Tech is coming over that emotional win versus Texas. They're one of their bitter rivals. And K-State is coming off a huge win in Norman at the Sooners. I think this game could be really exciting. And we'll see which team is able to ride the high and be on cloud nine for one more week in the Big 12. Moving over to the Pac-12, I do think Washington at UCLA will be an interesting match. UCLA is 4-0. Washington is also 4-0, ranked number 15 in the country, and led by uh, Michael Penix Jr. They're looking like a contender in in the Pac-12, so I think that'll be a good game. And then the two SEC games that you mentioned, I think, will be good as well. Do you want to head over to the Big Ten roundtable? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, but I want to start with one question for you. How many points do you think Ohio State puts up against Rutgers? <laughs> so Rutgers is at Ohio State this week. I think the final score will be, I'll say, Ohio State 62 and Rutgers at 10. That'll be my score prediction. Nice. Yeah, that that's pretty similar to what I was going to say. They, I was going to say are going somewhere to get annihilated. Right. Yeah, I say Ohio State 60 something and Rutgers scores like a touchdown in like the late second half. So so it'd be like 63 to 7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh think yeah, that's it, whatever the spread is just pick Ohio State. <laughs> right. All right, some other games we got going on. Illinois will be facing off at Wisconsin in Madison, so we'll see if the Badgers can get back to their winning ways. Indiana will be at Nebraska. Do you think Nebraska loses another game by three points or less? Probably not, only because I just think that they're going to lose the game by more than than that number of points, in my opinion. Yeah, so we'll see if Indiana is able to bounce back after their loss to Cincinnati last week. Uh, Here's another, I think the next three matchups are a little more interesting. So we have Michigan State at Maryland. I think this will be a good matchup to see which team we think is going to be more challenging in November because looking into the deep part of the schedule, we have Maryland at home in November and Thanksgiving weekend, we have Michigan State at home. So which team do you think is going to be harder to beat? You know, I... uh... At, at this point, I would probably venture to say Maryland just because uh, they have had some really solid performances so far this season. It seems like their offensive weapons are back and they're playing at a pretty high level. So I think if they're able to get rolling, uh, we could see some offensive firepower similar to what we did in 2020. Um, so Penn State, I think, will have to bring their A game uh, to you know beat Maryland by like maybe a touchdown or more. So I'll say Maryland for right now. But I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan State won this game. I mean, I, I think that uh, 
they're they're ripe for kind of like a bounce back after a couple of losses uh you know getting getting whipped by like Washington and Minnesota so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they kind of buckle down and try to reestablish themselves in this season um but I think in the long haul um Maryland is the team that kind of uh worries me more but I think it's pretty close at this point I'll agree with you I do think Maryland does give you a little bit more of a scare because they were so competitive against Michigan. However, I think, I think Michigan state could bounce back. Like you said, Maryland's going to be banged up after playing Michigan, which you couldn't blame them for that. So I I think Michigan state with their passing attack with Peyton Thorne this year, I think that that'd be a good game and a high scoring game to watch. So if you like points, I think that'd be a good one to tune in and watch. Uh, Next up, we got Michigan, at Iowa and Kinnick, wild things happen in Kinnick, Andrew. What what do you think happens in this game? Yeah, uh, Michigan's going to win this game by a bunch of points. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> think this is going to be a Maryland game 2.0. I mean, Michigan is uh, too talented, too fast, too physical. I mean, Iowa is known for being physical too, but um, Michigan just has like, has just, uh, you know, pure talent and speed that, uh, you know, as great as Iowa's defense is, like they're not going to be able to score points against Blake Corum and crew. Yeah, I think this this game will be pretty close, but really, I, I oh, I think I just think the issue is going to be like Michigan's going to put up like seventeen to twenty one points, and then like Iowa's going to score like six. Like, <laughs> wow, okay. So I think it, it's Kinnick, and uh, so I, I I think that crazy things happen there, and. I think I think it'll be closer than most people think. I don't think Michigan's going to go in there and steamroll them because of okay. how good the defense is. But I, I do think that Michigan gets out of there with a with a close win, maybe by ten to fourteen points. Okay. And our our last game in the Big Ten round table, we have Purdue at Minnesota. I'm really looking forward to watching this game because I want to see how we stack up against Minnesota against a team that we will have both played at this point. So I think this game is going to be a really interesting matchup and it'll give us an idea of what we can expect for the whiteout in October, which is really exciting to think about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like we love to use like the transitive property in college football fandom. So, you know, we beat Purdue and then if Minnesota beats Purdue, then the question becomes like by how much, how, how, uh, like how did they beat them? Like, was it primarily through the air on the ground? Like, did they get a bunch of turnover? Like, you know, we, we start asking a bunch of questions like that, but I think you're right. It is going to be interesting to see, and it's going to give us like kind of an idea of like what Penn state might be able to do to uh, work against what's been a really effective Minnesota defense so far. As we, you know, really raved about in some of our earlier episodes, Aiden O'Connell is a very skillful quarterback and Purdue has a slew of very good pass catchers. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against this Minnesota defense. And maybe if Doe King gets involved in the ground game, like we start to like paint the picture a little bit of like, okay, you know, if we are able to do X, Y, and Z, we might be able to expect this kind of outcome against Minnesota. So I'm in total agreement with you. Like there's a lot of intrigue about this game, uh, both from, you know, just an outside fan perspective uh, with the two teams, but also from a Penn State fans perspective as well. Yeah. So in this game, I think the Gophers are for real. I think they're going to run the ball down Purdue's throat. I think the defense is going to be good enough to get to the quarterback and 
limit those wide receivers. And I, I think we're going to be pretty scared about Minnesota coming into this whiteout. I think they're for real. Time will tell. Yep. And we're going to be banged up after being on the road in Ann Arbor the week before. So could be a really tough game. Good stuff, man. Uh, I don't think I have anything else about other games this weekend. Uh, you got anything else before we sign off here? Nope. If you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the pod, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are... The Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.